1: Welcome back to Chasing Frets. I'm um, here with Andy Ellis.
2: Hey everyone,
1: and uh, of course I'm Jason Shadrick. For those of you who may or may not know, and this week our guest is Steve Kimmock, who is uh, one of the, one of my favorite uh, improvisers. As you heard on Monday, his deep dive in all things improvisation related and his history of the guitar was it was so interesting to me. And I remember coming out of that episode, uh, Andy, I just wrote one thing down, and that was like better decisions. When he talked about <laughs> listening to his to older tapes of of himself, you know. So today's up uh, today's episode is going to be focused on lap steel, which I know uh, Andy is a, a huge fan of, and actually wrote a, a great primer for a Premier Guitar on lap steel.
2: Yeah, it's still trucking away <laughs> online there. I've
1: uh, I've used it uh, several times when I've tried to break out my lap steel and do my best Andy Ellis impressions. Yeah. <laughs> So his um, so Kimok's uh, kind of pathway to that was David Lindley, um, mm-hmm. who's one of the all-time great lap steel players. Uh, have you talked to David before, you interviewed him, Mandy?
2: I have, yeah. I have, indeed. Kimok has some Lindley stories and also the forgotten story of Freddie Roulette.
1: See, that's one guy I wasn't that familiar with before Steve mm-hmm. brought it up.
2: Well, Steve uh, will will tell us... He'll he'll fill it in, yeah. you know. And sometimes it's nice to get the pieces of history, the puzzle pieces, in line by someone who has been there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And and we often have that with our Chasing Frets podcast. Brian Sutton has brought us in line with bluegrass. Tommy Emmanuel has brought us in line with Chet Atkins albums. You know, there's a lot, there's a, beads on a string, you know, and if you know where the beads are and what order they go in, it's much easier to understand the evolution of a certain genre or recording style. And we get that this time, we're about to hear it, with the lap steel.
1: All right, so uh, as always, you can reach out to us, uh, you can hit us up at chasingfrets at premierguitar.com, uh, you can uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, And uh, so we're going to jump right into this uh, talk about lap steel with Steve Kimmock. All right, Steve, we're back again for another uh, installment this week. And uh, today's topic, uh, we're going to have Andy kick this one off, but today's topic is going to be all about the lap steel.
2: Hello. Oh, yes, lap steel. I remember discovering that it's not that different from the guitar because it is a guitar, but it is a universe galaxy away from the guitar because we are not locked into the stair step of frets. And it's, it seems to me that it's a, it's a world that beckons and just doesn't have uh, an end to it. You can't sort of see the conclusion of this. And, so t- tell me, Steve, when did you fall into this world of lap steel, and who brought you in and inspired you?
0: The idea that uh, this is actually kind of funny because it goes back to something we were said in a, another uh, another version of our of our get together. But the early my early experience with the guitar when I got my very first guitar, it was uh, it was one of those like five dollar. Acoustic things, flat top with the bridge just sort of sat on the top with some kind of like trapeze tailpiece, and I didn't know how to tune it. And I didn't know what was going on. I remember just laying it on the bed and strumming it and pushing the bridge back and forth. Wow! And that's how I'd make <laughs> and that's I make a sound. As I like to do, which was you know, so long before I learned how to tune the guitar, I wanted it to go up and down. So. So that idea was always there. So I played for, I played guitar for, you know, maybe only a few years when I realized that a lot of the sounds that I was hearing that I liked weren't guitar sounds and that they were some kind of steel guitar sounds. So I bought a pedal steel. So I had a pedal steel when I was maybe 17. Mm. I wasn't ever very good at it. But I kind of liked the idea, and I made sounds with it. And I thought that was cool. That had a pedal steel up until my until I was in my twenties, at some point, and uh, I just got tired of carrying the thing around, <laughs> and and I got tired of you know besides. I got tired of going back and forth between the steel and the guitar, so I played a steel for a couple of tunes, and then I go to play the guitar. And my hands would feel like claws; I couldn't get them back on the guitar. <laughs> so I, I was like, I, "You know, I, I can't really do this," you know. And then uh, many years later, um, Banana, who, who played guitar in the Young Bloods, right? We were in a band together. I think he's with like Little Stevie or somebody, yeah, you know, or something. But uh, Bruce Springsteen, whatever. Anyway, he, um, he heard me say that I used to have a pedal steel, but I just got tired of carrying it around. Wish I still had one. And he brought me this beautiful, I don't see it here. It's in a case. He brought me this beautiful little Supro, six string Supro lap steel with legs, you know, and that, in that pickup, you know, with the magnet over the top, or on the sides. And, and, um, he says, here, play this. And I was like, okay, uh, and I did, and I just had such a great time with it. And that's still my, my, uh, my, my, main, inst- my main instrument. But my inspiration uh, for it early on was David Lindley. I was a huge Lindley fan, you know, as a, as a young adult. Whereas I was not as, you know, a teenager. When I heard Lindley with Jackson Brown, you know, my friend who's a great guitar player, we played together all the time did all the Ellen Brothers stuff, and he played Dickie, and I played, or whatever. Um, He says, listen to this guy, play the slide. And he's playing me stuff now that I worship, and I listen to it, I was going, I don't get it. What's he doing? I don't get it. That sounds funny. I didn't get it. I listened to Lindley, Jackson Brown, when I was, you know, 17 or 18, and went, huh? Um, But by the time I was in my 20s, and he was playing down the street and stuff, and I would go and see him, I couldn't believe it. I was at every gig at, at the, at the Cotati Cabaret he used to play in California. And there were these stairs on the side of the stage and his lap steel was set up like right by the top of the stairs. And I would get up on the stairs as high as I could, you know, and just kind of like look over the edge, you know, I was like right there, a little jerk off, you know, trying to check out what he was doing. But I watched every minute of him live in that um, El Rayo band. I could mm. and just, loved it and then and then um, you know while I was doing that another the guy that got Lindley into it was also local not Freddie roulette and Freddie Mm -hmm. Freddie roulette and I are friends and played together a whole bunch And you know Freddie's deal was used to like you didn't even have to have a gig you could just say hey Freddie here's 50 bucks come to my house Mm -hmm. you know and then you couldn't get rid of him you just sit there and play (laughs) In away, you know, and he was unbelievable, you know. So those were the those were the two guys that I, you know, Lindley, who I watched like a hawk. I couldn't get as close to as 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 Freddie, even though we were uh, friends uh, back in the day. Like I, he let me in the dressing room. He, he realized I was a geek, you know. He'd let me, in. and I'd bring him kimchi and chocolate and stuff that I knew that they liked. You
2: know? um,
0: <laughs> what a so combo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> He was. He loved his chocolate. And he really loved his kimchi. But I, I would, I would go to the gigs, and and, and he would let me watch it and so forth. So go to Sarah Jacks and so forth. Um, uh, but uh, it was mostly Lindley and and Freddie Roulette. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Freddie Roulette, but
2: I saw him in the day in in, in the Boston Tea Party, oh, 69. 1968-69
0: Nobody, nobody like he's like a missing link in the non-pedal thing, you know, with his tuning and and the way he handled the material and everything like that. J- just, just an extraordinary.
1: What player. tuning did he use? Was that unusual. This is funny. I asked I
0: asked David Lindley what tuning Freddie used, and he sang it to me, and I was like, thanks. <laughs> um, Freddie's tuning was, was, was essentially the six string. The old six-string um, high bass Hawaiian A, right? So it would be like on on the on the sixth string, it was like it was like our our fourth string. So like open A, right, would be the the low string. So it's A C sharp E A C sharp E for the top six, right? And then the seventh string was a unison A, and the eighth string, the bottom string, is what they call reentrant, was a G. One whole step below the third string pick. Wow. And so he had a seventh tuning that did not like really engage this seventh unless he wanted it. And then and then in his slants, he had two A strings next to each other. So if he didn't get the note he wanted on that one A string, he'd get it on the other, right? You know. Right. And but, but he did, It wasn't like super forthcoming with that because you'd go like you'd have to like do it. And go, oh, right, and start to hear some of the, the combinations that you could get with the with the unison. Um, but I say, Freddie, what's with the, the two a strings next to each other? And he would like get down by the bridge and go. Oh, that's for my conga lick, and I go. It make the thing sound like a conga drum by smacking the bar into the strings back there. <laughs> Very strange.
2: To put you off the scent, really, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but then I said, to, to Freddie, you got to give me some lessons. He says, I can't give you lessons in your tuning. And I said, no, no, just here, play my guitar. So i am I'm, I'm e. I think I'm Dwayne Allman or something, or E or F major, like Lindley would use, E up a half step, F-C-F-A-C-F, right? Oh. And Freddie took my guitar with no seventh in the singer and just played all his same stuff on it, you know? Whoa. Mm those guys that are actually good at the slide, like Debashish, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter. The tuning doesn't matter. The tuning literally doesn't matter. Like, uh, Debashish would, would check this out. He takes his chaturangi out of the case. You know, he's cut off the airplane. He's got this giant fiberglass case and it's filled with laundry and stuff. There's just like stuff in it, you know, <laughs> a fucking crock pot, <laughs> you know, everything in the instrument case. And, and there's, You know, six playing strings and, you know, 13 or 14 sympathetics and a bunch of various jacari and stuff all over the place. He takes it out. It's completely slack. He sets it on his lap and he goes... (laughs) "Boom! Done. It was in tune. He didn't go back once on an instrument with like 40 strings. And I was, you know... (laughs) I was shocked. And at some point, I said, You know, like, well, what do you do? You know, like, what's the, what are you looking at when you're getting this stuff in tune? He says, I just, he's just hearing it. You just have to hear it, right? To hear it first. And then you go there. And and he plays me this beautiful thing, you know, I mean, really just very elaborate, you know, Indian thing. And then just reaches up and goes, bang, 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 and plays it again. And the strings are like gone had nothing to do with the tuning that it was in a minute ago. And he just played the same thing. He wow. just played it. It didn't matter. It's like, I got the bar, I hear it, there it is. Wow. You know, what? <laughs> so he, he
2: must be somehow sensing intervals along the string, and once he finds a spot to play, can unfold.
0: Yeah, he just hears it and goes to it. and And yeah. and, and, uh, and, and and there it is. He, he actually has... Uh, had had we not been cursed with this pandemic, I would likely would have gone this year to study with him in India. Oh. So uh, we, we turned out to be uh, great friends. He's a really cool dude, super cool dude. Um, his thing is you just, you have to hear the note first. He says, if you hear it, then you go to it. You don't need to look. You don't need, in, in, in total darkness, if you hear the next note, you'll go there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't you know, if you if you don't have that if you don't have that prehearing, if you can't hear where you're at and hear where the next note is, it says you can't plot. It kind of, it's not like that's all there is to it, but he was real clear about, you know, up on up on those higher frets, you know, up in those higher positions, um, to keep it together, you know. You had to hear it. And there has to be some kind of contour to the thing. Every note has to have something that makes it a little special, you know, and, and, and you, you, uh, hear it go in, but the stuff that I thought it was about, you know, um, where I was, you know, considering the intonation, uh, in its, in its, in its simple form, like it's tuning, right? Like are you tune the guitar and you just listen to this note, you listen to this note, you play them together and you go, okay, that's a fourth or that's a third or whatever that sounds nice but at a, a certain tempo you don't have those kind of tuning cues anymore there's no it's, it's no longer about beats is the interval beatless or something like that you're not on it long enough to beat and and the, and, and everything that you might think of in terms of uh, you know like just intonation principles like oh is this a low prime ratio it's a low prime number ratio kind of thing you know is, is this really you know 3 to Whatever. I don't know if you guys are into any of that adjusting mm. donation stuff, but it's kind of the only way to get specific about calling some of these intervals.
2: Are are you? Um, ha- have you incorporated some of that into those those ideas into your playing?
0: Oh yeah, well, yeah 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 of course. But I, I think well check it out man because I think I mean I had to because I'm just not that freaking good. You know I don't hear. I don't think I hear the way there does or, or, or the way I mean, I'm starting to, you know, or Jeff Beck or somebody like that who can play with the slide or play with the bar and it's just like, I went and saw Jeff Beck um, I don't know, two years ago or something like that in California and his crew is pretty much all the same guys that were the dead company crew so I got in because of crew <laughs> and, and uh, so I'm backstage when he gets done with the show, which was amazing and uh, I knew that I was only going to have a minute with him. And I said, Jeff, I said, I'm a, I play slide and steel, I'm a student of, of microtonality, and just intonation. I said, is there anything systematic that you're doing with your approach to the intonation with the bar and the slide? And he says, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and he says, oh, I just listen to a lot of music. And it's like, I got a little record player in my head, and I just play it back. And I just was thinking, man, I don't have that
1: gene. (laughs) Um, I don't think anybody does.
0: But but he's one of those guys. Like, I just, I got done crippling my playing for the last 30 years, trying to, like, play notes in tune and understand what they were. And he, you know, I was like, is this this note? Is this that note? He just plays the right note the first time, you know? And I was, what, 63 or something like that when I went, oh, you know, you're kind of not supposed to have options you're just supposed to play the right note you know you're old enough to play the right note stop (laughs) pretending there's options
1: that's a i I love that line you're old enough to play the right note stop pretending there's (laughs) options
0: yeah yeah so it's like i would play with these guys blues players some great blues players you know and you could tell me to play a g chord i can play you 50 g chords I can play G chords and harmonics and open strings and backwards like this. You can't even play the G chords I can play. And then I'll go and play with somebody. And he got one G chord, but it's the right G chord every time, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you yeah. know, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's like, um, at, at, at some level, you're supposed to be you know, getting getting the options out of the way. Anyway, let's get back to, uh, to the um, lap steel, because part of the reason that I got into it was because I was playing too much guitar, right? And my friends were literally worried about me i was one of those you know like just the sandwich under the door kind of guys right i just oh. wouldn't practice the guitar and i was too much of a geek and my friend said you need a hobby and i said how about hawaiian guitar <laughs> <laughs> right and so the difference between the guitar and the hawaiian guitar for me was i tried to learn to play the guitar I really wanted to learn to play the guitar. I wanted to be like a musician. I wanted to. And then when I got to the Hawaiian guitar, I was like, screw that. I'm just going to play. I'm just going to slide till it sounds good. And, you know, I don't know what note I'm playing. I can't really play a chord. It's like all my my, my usual, uh, you know, all my usual stuff was gone my knowledge of the fingerboard thing you know which is just like that's the tuning you're in and wiggling my fingers and being so clever with all my shit it was gone and but i could plug it into the air (laughs) i was like woohoo i would just love that so that the lap steel was kind of you know recreational for me and at this point you know because i sew it my own but about trying to learn to play the guitar, I probably most of the time. If you wanted to hear me play something fresh, or if I wanted to think I was playing something good, I'm not playing it on the frets. I'm doing lap steel, on the fretless something.
1: Nice, just mm-hmm.
0: away from, away from my 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 um, adolescent
1: cleverness. Mm. Dig it. Well, thanks for such an enlightening conversation, Steve, about lap steel guitar. And I've already like taken notes about things I need to check out and players I need to. Need to check out. And uh, I'm really looking forward to our, our final episode later this week. So stick around for another episode with Steve Kimmock. Ah!